I have to have enough assets, enough passive income to really, really be financially free. So that's what I really meant. Like, yeah, it's 2021, but if you want to be free, like you still have to buy it. Mm. Let me talk to Tweet Talk episode 80. Yeah. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, sir. Yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com. Underscore. Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. Use a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces. What it sounds like to be the best. This is the Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode 80, Tweet Talk. This is your co-host, Raphael Husbands, one half co-host, co-creator of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, along with my co-host, Charles Oglesby, aka Top Millionaire, who won't be joining us tonight. Still on hiatus from recording, but you know, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow my partner, Charles, at, what is he this week? At Real Todd Billion on Twitter. And you can follow myself, Raphael, at Work Money Life. Definitely follow along, you know, follow us and follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast for sure. And tonight we have a special guest by the name of Joy Walker, Coach Jay. Introduce yourself to the people, let them know who you are. What's going on, Tweet Talk listeners? As Raphael said, my name is Joy Walker, also known as Coach Jay. Big fan of the podcast, excited to be here this evening. A little bit about me. I'm originally from St. Louis, grew up playing basketball, played ball in college, uh, worked in corporate for a little while and hated that. So I got back into coaching. I worked in athletics for a few years uh, as an academic advisor, assistant coach, student athlete development coordinator, you name it, I did it. Um, decided to take the leap in entrepreneurship at the end of 2019. And here we are today. Yeah, Joy Walker, folks. That's Joy with an I. Yes, don't forget the I. J O I. You can find her at joywalker.com. Like I said, joy, J O I, walker.com. If you don't know to spell Walker, I can't help you. And you can also find her on Twitter at sets for life 314. That's S E T S F O R L I F E 314. Numbers. Definitely. So, what's up, Joy? You are a former collegiate basketball athlete, collegiate basketball, college basketball player. I was going to say that. Turned entrepreneur. But in between there, you, you made an accountant, got an accounting degree, and went into corporate. What was that like? Oh, wait. Um, it was terrible. <laughs> no, um, it was a good experience. You know, it's crazy how sometimes we're in situations that we aren't crazy about, but we learn so much from it. 
Um, so it was good to work with some smaller companies and really see the ins and out of business uh, because accounting is really the language of business. And a lot of people sort of struggle, you know, when it comes to running their own business because they don't understand the numbers. Um, so it was good from that extent. But to go from traveling the country, playing college ball to sitting in a cubicle for 40, 50, 60 hours a week was terrible. I could not get with it. It just wasn't for me. I mean, I really felt like I wasn't helping people. I think that as millennials, we really want more than just a paycheck. Like we really want to help our community, help our people have an impact. So corporate was cool. I learned a lot, but long term, I could not see myself doing that for 40 years. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, what even made you get an accounting degree? Oh, wait, you are wasting no time. Uh, honestly, um, I'm from North St. Louis, grew up, you know, inner city, one parent household um, and just really seeing not just my mom, but like my family struggle financially. Um, had like one uncle who did pretty well, but everybody else was sort of like in the same situation. So when I, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to go to college and play ball, I'm not going to come back and be in the same situation as my family. So originally I was thinking about finance, went to a school that didn't have finance. So talked to some people, like some coaches, some other people, and they, you know, led me to accounting. Um, and I really just wanted to figure out this money thing because nobody in my family wanted to talk about money. I know everybody was struggling. Everybody was broke. So I'm like, let me go go and get some information that can really, really change my life. So that was really my reasoning for going into accounting. Mm, so that was that was the whole plan, huh? Yeah. Got to figure it out at some point. So now you chose accounting. What even made you think, well, you, I guess you say everybody around you was in the same situation. But even so, a lot of our people, especially if we are athletic scholarships, we're thinking more about professional um, professional sports. And even if you sometimes you're not even thinking that far, you're thinking about the sport we're in right now today. And that's all we think about playing that sport. What made what made you think about a future after those four years? I wanted to go pro. I'm not going to sit here and lie to me like, oh, I didn't want to play for like the, the monarchs or the comments, somebody like that. Like I wanted to, to do those things. But I think that we have certain experiences for a reason. I think that growing up in St. Louis really, really shaped me. I grew up in a community where literally on my, my youth basketball team, every single black mom was a teacher. Every single dad was a firefighter or a policeman. So I literally grew up in St. Louis. All the women I knew who had jobs were teachers. All the men were either firefighters or police officers. So this is this was just my experience. I'm saying it was good, bad, or indifferent. But I remember going away to college and having Black friends like me who weren't from St. Louis, and their parents were lawyers. Their parents were nurses. Their parents had their own businesses. And I was I was I would talk to my coaches about my experience, you know, in St. Louis because I just. I just, there isn't a whole lot going on back home. And there was just so much I wasn't exposed to, but I always knew as a kid, I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be in the same situation as my family. I didn't want to continue that cycle. So although I wanted to play pro ball, I knew I probably wouldn't make it. I knew that I had to have something in my back pocket. I had to get some new information, even at 18, 19 years old, I didn't foresee everything, but I knew that Once I got to college, I was exposed to Black excellence and Black success. I ended up graduating from HBCU, and there was this thing we had every Wednesday called ESS, the Executive Speaker Series, and it literally changed my life. I'm used to being back home. You know, dudes got the pants sagging, girls just wearing whatever. 
But here, every Wednesday afternoon, every single business student had to wear a suit. So the girls, freshmen, sophomores, who had to wear skirt suits, the guys had to be suited up, and they would have alumni come in. And these Black alumni who looked like me, they would be writing ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar checks. They would talk about their experience in corporate, their experience running, experience running a business. So I was just exposed to this brand new world. And like I said, I didn't have everything figured out, but I knew that I would have to piece some things together if I didn't want to end up like the rest of my family. Mm, that's cool. Now you said exposed, like we've talked about it before on this show, like exposure is so key. It is major. And you're talking about back home in St. Louis when you're growing up, there wasn't much going on and everybody around you was either a fireman or a teacher. I guess it's like kind of like the easy jobs for guys to get around at that time and like you gotta expose yourself and your children to, to as much as you possibly can like even if you're gonna live in the hood you gotta get your kids to the museum get out of the city like i told myself one time because he you know he's it's like he didn't get to run the streets like all these other kids but as i told him like listen they these kids might be able to go whenever they feel like but they never left the block like they never go and be on a 10 block radius. Like they don't go anywhere. They go the same streets around in a circle, man. They don't go anywhere. They never seen life, man. And but- I was I was fortunate. Um I have I have a huge family, right? So my mom was the second person in our family to get a college education. Um and although she was able to make good money as a college professor, she never got information on financial management and think like she would get it and she would blow it. Right. Mm. So I, I knew that if I went to school, I could start to figure things out. And my mom made a huge sacrifice. Although I was in a single parent household, didn't meet my dad till I was 16 years old. My mom made the sacrifice to send me to a private school. So we would literally drive like 30 minutes from my house and there was no bus. Right. So she had to drive me every day. My grandmother would help pick me up, whatever. So I'm, I remember being like in the third and fourth grade and going to these birthday parties at my white classmates houses and just being blown away like from where we live to the exposure I, and I didn't get exposed to black excellence but I was able to see my white friends I'm like yo like their houses are way bigger than ours like and I was able to like I said really start to put things together and sort of figure like what can I do to make my life different from what I see in my surroundings mm, so that's cool private school are you like uh like Dame Dash or something like that? <laughs> So he says he he put himself in private school. So he said, no, whatever, you know. So what do you think would have happened if you never went to college? I think that something in me would have figured it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that exposure was just so key. Like I said, seeing black kids who had, I remember it's so crazy. My first car was a 1993 Honda Accord. I was the first person in my group of friends to get a car. Like it was a, it was an older car. Like I got this car, like 2005, it was a 93. All my friends were super excited, whatever. Then I go to college and all my class, all my teammates, they have like brand new cars. And they're like, oh, Joe, you got that hoopty. And I'm like, hoopty? I didn't even know my car was a hoopty until I got exposed to kids who had new cars, right? So that exposure is key. And I think just because of the way I'm wired, I would have figured it out eventually, but I might've been like 40, 45, 50 before things started to click. So I don't think that college is necessarily the key to success, but that networking and that exposure and those professors and just people I was able to meet, that was an absolute game changer in my life for sure. Cool, cool, cool. And right now, let's, uh, before we go any further, let's just shout out the um, sponsors of the show. As always, Todd Capital, our main sponsor, 
as always, home of the um, ever popular options trading course. As a shout out, Okiefa Shades. Get your eyewear, okiefashades.com. Shout out to Get Laced Laces because premium cakes deserve premium laces. And also, Pure Body Company for your all natural body care needs. Now, Joy, let's get into one of your tweets. You said everybody needs a hustle. This is America. That's a recent one. And it's so crazy. I can't even remember what I was listening to. But even if you look at last year, right? Like mm-hmm. the pandemic, we always have this Twitter, this argument back and forth on Twitter. You know, everybody needs a side hustle. Some people say, no, they don't. But if you look at what blacks are paid, you know, in comparison to our counterparts. Um, and I'm really messed up because I worked in accounting and one of my very first roles was mm-hmm. doing payroll, right? So I get to see the white guy with no college education who's making a hundred grand. And then they bring in this black woman who's a little bit older, more experienced, two degrees, and they pay her $35,000. Like I was just able to see so much as far as, and I remember walking past uh, like the boardroom where they would have like their quarterly meetings and every, it's like all white males. And there's never, and there were plenty of black people who worked on the job, but we just weren't in those meetings. We weren't getting paid the same wages So I almost feel like that's a losing battle. That's just my personal opinion. But at the same time, like I said, if you look at last year, people losing their jobs because of COVID, the pandemic is impacting them. And if you only have that one source of income, it's it's pretty close to zero, right? This is the land of opportunity. There is nothing holding you back. We want to, you know, post memes on Instagram, but you can use that same phone to have some sort of side hustle, some sort of something like you need some sort of hustle in this day and age, just working a job or even just having like you could have multiple business like there is there literally are no limits when it comes to what we can do in this country there's nothing holding us back right and even though everybody's talking about 2020 was such a horrible year the pandemic you know but the the, the corner of twitter that we live in people talking about bad pandemic. That's a fact. People were running it up. Our corner of Twitter talk about pandemic. Made yes. more money than ever. Man. More money than ever because everybody was home. They couldn't go anywhere to spend their money, especially when that stimulus check. I mean, April was a good month. I'll just say that. <laughs> April was a good month. You got to have a hustle, man. got to have something going for you because, like you said, that one source of income is close to zero and it can be taken from you anytime. And it's funny when you get into the kind of like arguments on Twitter and social media as a whole. Yeah. Everybody doesn't want a business. That's what they say. Well, when they fire your ass, you don't want a business. Man, come on now. For sure. And you said go all in on your business. I think that that's something that I I tell myself like over and over again. I think that it's important. I think that when we have jobs, we we feel this pressure, right? Like if we don't perform, we're going to get fired. But for some reason, this isn't everybody. When it comes to our business, we don't push ourselves as hard. Maybe it's because we don't have a boss. We don't do whatever. Like, and you might get to a certain level and think, oh man, I make more than I have met on a job. That's cool. But if you have more in you, if you can, you know, keep marketing, keep doing what, whatever you need to do, you have to go all in on your business. There is competition, right? Today we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. 
your competition who if they really really want to eat they weren't watching netflix all day yeah maybe there might not have been business going on but they were reading a book they were taking a course like you have to go all in you can't take holidays off and just chill for the whole day can you have some downtime and relax yeah sometimes but if you're not going all in on your business if you're not getting better if you're not getting sharper mentally somebody is going to come and if you aren't killing it they're going to come in and and take your clients take whoever like you have to be going all in on your business at all times right you go put in the effort and it's like i don't know man like immigrants come to this country and most of the time they're not coming here they're not coming here for social programs come on they're not coming here for netflix they're not coming here for the fun man and they come here and run circles around us because where they came from it, things were tight things were hard they came here with a goal in mind and they're going to get it for sure Pure Body Company formulates an amazing range of emollients with shea butter at its base. Pure Body Co. focuses on providing all natural handcrafted products for all people. At shoppurebodyco.com, you'll find body butters and lip balms that are not only moisturizing, but none of our products contain preservative or even those unrecognizable chemicals. So if you're looking to keep your skin soft, visit shoppurebodyco.com. And remember to join PBC Perks to receive rewards as you shop. Now, you said this tweet was interesting. If you only get what they are teaching, you will lose every single time. You have to study what they are studying. <laughs> I think I originally heard that from Eric Thomas. He mm -hmm. was talking about, you know, if you are in school, you can't just study what the teacher is teaching. You need to go to their office hours and figure out, yo, professor, like, what are you, what are you studying? If you don't, if you don't understand the material to the point that you can teach it, you don't really get it. That's like, okay, you look at Charles's, you look at his Twitter, right? You can mm -hmm. read his tweets all day, get inspired. If you aren't going, if he posts the book, you know, the obstacle is the way, whatever, whatever. If you're not reading the books that he's reading, if you're just going through the tweets and getting the appetizers, you're not really, you're not really about that life, in my opinion. You really, really have to the people that you admire, the people you look up to, you can't just be surface level. You got to dig a little bit deeper and really, really study what they're studying. Like you have to go all in. Like I said, go all in on your business. You got to go all in on studying it. It's the same thing in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Yeah, because you can't just study the people you admire. You got to study what they're studying. You know, learn what they're learning. See what they're reading. You got to go deeper than that because they're only giving you what they took in and, and, and they what they're piecing out to you. Exactly, exactly. Now, really quick, I just want to jump on to this episode's Black Billionaire Banter segment, where we talk about smooth move made by a Black businessman or entrepreneur, you know, brought to you by Pure Buddy Company, this segment. So there's a story, a recent story, that Rick Ross, the rapper, has invested a million dollars in a telehealth startup by the name of JetDoc, created by, uh, it looks like he's a Black man, Tommy Duncan, and Rick Ross has invested a million dollars, based in Florida. Now, that's very interesting. Rick Ross has had two, two seizures over the past, like, nine or 10 years that's been in the news and he's trying to look after his health now so now he's invested in telehealth have you ever used any kind of telehealth services yourself joy i have not but i did just see that on instagram that he was investing in that company that was pretty dope yeah i've never used it either but right now in these covid in these times of the covid right everybody's stuck at home and doctors don't really want to see you like that anyway i guess it's booming it's booming right now that's a fact 
you know, so the guy has his eyes on the future. You know, we go see how that plays out. It's a company by the name of Jetta, and they are targeting uh, men of color, as they said. Usually it's the women that go to the doctor. Men are stubborn, but they're targeting nope. men of... Nope. No <laughs> comment, but yeah. <laughs> Targeting men of color because, you know, we don't get the treatment we deserve and we don't seek out the treatment we deserve. We need to get sometimes. So we will keep an eye on that one. Now, Joy, back to your tweets. You said everything works. You just have to work it. Oh, wait. I think that social media messes a lot of people up. I think that you see vending machines are popping, drop shipping is popping, this course, that course, like you can be all over the place. But the, the good thing is all of these things work, right? You can make money. I don't care what it is that you decide to pursue. You start a clothing line, what everything works. I read uh, The Science of Getting Rich last summer, and in it, uh, the author said that you can get rich in any business. Like, if anybody in your state is rich, you can do the same thing. But the thing is, people don't stick with things long enough. You can't work on your clothing line for three months and be like, oh, man, this isn't working. My Instagram isn't popping. I'm going to go to the next thing. Like, you have to. Every single thing works. You, people are selling courses, ebooks. They got a whole pandemic going on, right? Everything works. But if you don't stick with it long enough and put the time in and fail and get back up, you're not going to see the results. So I really, really believe everything works. You just got to stick with it. Most people just quit too quickly. They quit too easily. It gets hard. Like people don't understand going to my job and showing up and doing whatever that was easy, but showing up for my business every day when things aren't going well, when I had a bad day, when I'm having issues, like it's hard, but if you stick with it, you will see the results. And if you just show up every day, you're going to outlast most of your competition anyway. So everything works. You just got to work it. Yeah, that's that's funny because like if you think about like real estate, everybody's like, you know, people don't may not have no money. They might not know how to create wealth, but they say, oh, you know, real estate is a great way to, to create wealth. But then there's like so many different niches in real estate. Some people do tax liens. Some people do rentals. Some people do fix and flips. There's so many different ways. And then there's, it's funny, like, no matter what it is, real estate, the stock market is like, you can find one person is a billionaire and they say, I only do it this way. That other way is complete crap. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find another billionaire that said that the first guy's way, like the, the thing that he does is complete crap. And he only does it his way. And they both, they both, they both make the money. And but, that's, and that's the thing. I know uh, one of my favorite podcasters, so he always says that the riches are in the niches, right? And like you said, with real estate, there's a million different ways to attack it. Like there's so many realms, so many different ways to make money in real estate. And maybe you try, you know, the first thing and it doesn't work, you know, maybe, but if you just stick with it long enough to figure out what you like, what you don't like, you will, it'll work if you work it right. There's so many different niches within these different areas. Like maybe you started a clothing line and maybe, you know, your t-shirts aren't working, but maybe there's another thing that you do really, really well. Like maybe people like your sweatpants. I don't know what it is, but you have to stick with something long enough to figure out what you like, what you don't like, what works what does what you like you can't just quit at the first sign of things not going your way right um you said it's 2021 but don't get it twisted you still have to buy your freedom 
mean by that? I'm pretty sure I know, but um, that's not even funny. But you know, when we were enslaved, we had to buy our freedom, right? And I was, I'm a huge podcast listener. Okay, so last week I was listening to a podcast, and they were really we t- we hear about one percenters all the time, right? But they were really, really breaking down one percenters and what it really means to be financially free. And this guy, it was a podcast, so I couldn't see, but I could, you know, envision the room he was in. So he was like, raise your hand if he explained financial freedom, talk about one percenters, all those things. And he's like, okay, raise your hand if you're financially free. And obviously a few people raised their hand. And he's like, oh, okay. He points at the first one. Like, could you never work another day in your life and have all your bills paid and still maintain the same lifestyle? They're like, no. So he's like, okay, so you guys aren't financially free. Financially free is when you have enough assets, enough passive income to no longer have to physically work. So I don't have to necessarily buy my freedom papers now, but if I want to be free from labor, free from working, I have to have enough assets, enough passive income to really, really be financially free. So that's what I really meant. Like, yeah, it's 2021, but if you want to be free, like you still have to buy it. Mm, Gotta buy your freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I was even thinking about that. Like you said, we literally had to buy our freedom. Like our ancestors literally had to work and buy their own freedom. And then buy then you had to go back and buy your wife the yeah. freedom. Yeah. And your kids' freedom or whatever it was. Like, you know, it's still kind of going like that today, in a manner of speaking. Now let me ask you this. You're in school, you're playing basketball, you started going in counting. Sounds like a safe degree. Sounds like a good move. Nobody can fault you for that. You come out, you go into to, to corporate, you hate it. You decide. Oh, after corporate, you went to coaching, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. So you like, you did like coaching, right? I did. I did. Yeah. So what made you leave coaching? I think that my story was similar to a lot of student athletes in that we are so focused on, oh man, I want to go pro. Um, I want to make the all conference team next year. So instead of like my other classmates who are in accounting, they were interning with your big four accounting firm. So they're interning with Ernest and Young, uh, PWC, Deloitte, right? So they got good jobs when they graduate. I was in the weight room. I was getting shots up. So when I got into corporate, I didn't like it because like I said, I felt like I wasn't helping people. I didn't like the cubicle. I I really didn't like anything about it. So I got into coaching and it took me a while to get that first corporate job because a lot of athletes literally graduate with these blank resumes, right? Like we major in basketball, football, whatever. So it took me forever to find a job. I was unemployed, had to move back home into my grandparents' basement. So I was unemployed for months before I finally got into corporate. So once I got into coaching, I loved it. I was like, I'm about to do this forever. This is amazing. But at this point, I was like 25 when I got into coaching and I'm looking at my players who I'm getting super close to, like love these girls to life. But I'm noticing like, oh man, the cycle repeats itself. Like my players are about to go make the same mistake that I made. So they're not interning. They're not thinking about life after sport. All they're thinking about is the weight room, getting shots up. And I started at a a junior college coaching. So they're thinking about, you know, getting into D1, whatever. And I was like, man, this is really, really a problem. So I decided to go on Amazon and I'm looking for like life after sport books. I'm looking for podcasts. And I ordered every book I could find and I read all of them and none of them really really spoke to me um so that's when i really started this journey that i'm on now i am a student athlete advocate i love student athletes um so i have my own podcast sets for life where i'm really trying to train equip and empower student athletes for life after sport um i published my first book in 2018 the sweet spot finding purpose in life after sport um so i i really enjoyed coaching but i got out of it because I didn't feel right focusing on game day so much, right? In coaching, you're on the hot seat, right? 
You only get so many hours per week to work with your team. Um, and you have to focus on winning. Like if you don't focus on winning, you get fired. Like <laughs> the turnover in athletics is it's insane. Like there's a certain time of year where I'm, you know, my buddies who maybe had a losing season, I'm like, oh man, my homie might lose their job, whatever. You just, you just don't know because it's so crazy. But I really, like I said, focusing on game day just did not sit well with me. I wanted to have more time to help student athletes think about life after sport, to help them discover their other gifts, their other talents. So that's when I got out of coaching and into more of student athlete development. Um, I was an academic advisor. So instead of just working with basketball, I was able to work with softball, track and field, football, volleyball, but a bunch of different sports. Um, but even in that, there's a lot of red tape in athletics. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't necessarily see. Like it, it looks cool to work in athletics, but I got to a certain point where my message was developing and I really didn't want to have to ask people for permission to put on this program or to bring in this speaker or, you know, what they thought. So after a couple of years of doing that, I was like, man, I just want to do my own thing. I don't have to ask for permission. I don't have to, you know, get this approved, go to this meeting. So that's kind of where I am now. Hmm. Okay. So you go back into coaching, you, you you love it, but you realize it's not giving you everything you're looking for. You're not able to serve how you really, really want to serve. Now, like you mentioned, you have your own podcast called the Sets for Life podcast. And I was listening to, I think it was the latest episode. I was listening to it yesterday. And I would like you to tell really quick that story of your last $20. <laughs> My last $20. Okay, put me on the spot. So I talked earlier about how I was unemployed after grad school. So I didn't intern in undergrad. So for grad school, I wanted to move, I had wanted to move to Atlanta for years. So I got into Clark Atlanta. They had a one-year program. So I moved to Atlanta, living the dream. I, uh, like I said, I was in one year uh, master's of accounting program. At this time, I had an internship with the Atlanta Hawks. So you couldn't tell me a thing, right? I'm interning in accounting for an NBA franchise. I'm going to have my master's degree. I graduated in May, couldn't find a job, couldn't pay my rent. So I left Atlanta, moved back to St. Louis, and I'm literally on the couch for months. Uh, didn't get an offer until maybe September, I think. So I have all this free time, right? So I'm applying for jobs, but I'm also at the library every couple of days. Um, so I'm at the library and I, I sort of felt like at this point I was 23 and I felt like what I learned up until that point was a lie. Like I went to school, I worked hard, but where was my good job? Like I had gotten good grades, did what I was supposed to do, but here I am unemployed. So I started reading books on entrepreneurship, on personal development. And I'm just really, really trying to really reprogram my mind and see the world differently. Because like I said, I did all this stuff and I still don't have a job. So it gets to a point, this is maybe July at this point, I have a phone bill coming up. So <laughs> my phone bill for Sprint was like a hundred and something dollars. Mind you, I'm applying for jobs. I'm going on interviews. If pe somebody calls me for an interview or an offer, they need to be able to call me, right? So I go in, I check my bank account. I literally had $20 to my name and my phone bill was like a hundred and something dollars. So I'm like, okay, Joy, what are you going to do? You don't have a job. You don't have any money and you need to, if you don't do anything else, you need to pay your phone bill. Okay. So I start looking around my room and I'm like, 
I need to have a yard sale. So everything I, must go. Everything must go. So I literally, I went to FedEx and I printed out some flyers. I went to Home Depot and I got some of those, some of those yard sign sales and I started sticking them all around my neighborhood. I had the yard sale on a Saturday morning. So Friday night, I'm going door to door. Hey, you need to come to the yard sale. It's going to be amazing, whatever. I literally took my account from like $20 to probably like 50 cents. Like I spent my last $20 trying to promote this yard sale. So I have the yard sale in a matter of two hours, I made like $700 and I was geeked. I was like, man, forget this looking for a job. <laughs> like I'm going to be, I, I literally remember the very next day waking up and writing in my journal. Like, oh my gosh, all these books I bring on entrepreneurship are just so true. You know, I'm just going to come up with a product or a service. And I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like the, the, the bug, like it, I really, really want to start my own business. But I think that I had been conditioned for so long to really just go to school, work hard, get a good job that not long after that, I got a job offered. And I literally for eight years, I did what I was conditioned to do, but what I didn't really want to do. So yeah, that's the story of me and my last $20. That's cool. But what happened next? After that, I got the, the corporate job. And then I was just uh, like, yeah, I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. So yeah. So you sat on the shelf for a couple of years or whatever. I did. So what did quitting what did quitting a job look like for you though completely? I mean Man, that was scary. And everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> everybody thought I was crazy. I had I I worked at every level, right? So I worked junior college, I worked at a small HBCU, I had finally made it to a mid-major school, and I had interviewed with some heavy hitters, some power five schools, maybe like the last two, uh, like the last people that were interviewing before they decided to go with somebody else. So I I finally landed a job after looking for like a whole summer. This was 2019, summer 2019, I was looking for a job. And I got a job that people who come from where I come from don't get, right? So I got this job and I got there and it was a great opportunity, amazing people. Uh, but, and it, it's not even like there are, like it's not an issue with the people, but there are systems that are in place that the NCAA has in place. And when I went, when I was at a small school, we didn't really have the money and the manpower to do what these bigger schools can do. So when you get to a larger school, my whole thing is student athletes are really, we hold their hands too much and they get used to this five. And I want them to have a, a, a great first class experience, but sometimes we just do entirely too much for them and we baby them. And when they graduate, they expect that same treatment. But when I was sitting in meetings, nobody cared that I was a hooper. Like nobody cared about that stuff. So for me, I knew that what I was being asked to do on a daily basis really went against what I believed in and what I stand for because I want to empower. I don't want to, I don't mind holding hands, but I'm not going to wipe butts. So I got to a point, <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, man, I know that people were saying like, oh, Joe, you're going to be a great AD one day. Like you played, you coach, you have this accounting background. You're going to be this great AD. You're going to keep moving up. But I just got to a point where what I was doing really, really went against what I believed in. So I knew I had to quit. So I quit December, 2019. 
Um, and January looked like me in my apartment, like, oh, shoot, what did I do? Like, did I really quit my job? Do I really not have a paycheck coming in? Um, so it looked like some soul searching. It looked like uh, me in the mirror, like Issa Rae doing some affirmations. Like, that's what the beginning looked like. Um, but then I just really had to buckle down and realize, like, if I don't go out here and kill it, I'm not going to eat. So it was definitely scary. Uh, I'm not going to say that it was easy, but it was also worth it. Like, I got a taste of freedom and I can't go back. Mm. Okay, Okieffa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okieffa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okieffashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okieffa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So, cool. So, what are you doing now? So, now I have uh, Sets for Life, which I focus on, which I've created my own online university, uh, where I really, really try to help student athletes, especially basketball players, because that's my background, really figure out who they are beyond their sport. Um, and I also have my own mobile notary service. So I do that as well. Like we were talking about earlier, the different avenues within real estate. A lot of people don't think like you think real estate agent, you think, you know, a flipper, you think loan officer, no transaction, no loan closes without the notary. Like we play a vital part in the transaction. So that's what I that's what I'm doing now. Huh. That's cool. That's cool. Now, I just want to touch on something really quick. I I, I wanted to say, talk about something you were talking about. You said earlier. Now, one thing that's cool about working for a small company is that you get to see a lot. You get access to like the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. You get to do different things. You know. Um, but you say like you were looking at payroll and the difference in what they were paying them versus us. You know, was that was a wide so wide margin sometimes. Now the thing is. Charles uh, has said before, like, you know, um, at the jobs, they kind of control where you can live based on what they pay you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, price, price, like in this day and age, like pricing could, is like the new racism. Like, they, like Charles will say, you, you, they can't say we, we, we don't want you here because you're black, but you can't afford to come here. You know what I'm saying? But like you say, the, the, the big disparities in the wages, sometimes that is also because us as, as, as black people are not exposed to things and we don't have the experience like other people. And we don't have the, the family members that teaching us these things to even know that you negotiate salaries. Forget about how you negotiate them. We don't even know that you negotiate them at all. Like it's like you get an offer. You take it. <laughs> you take it. And that's it. And you want to know what? That's what I did on my first job. I remember after I uh, left that job, I was working with this headhunter who was, you know, really fond of me, trying to place me somewhere else. 
And she was like, Joy, why did you accept that salary? I was like, I didn't know how to negotiate. Like I didn't. And it was so crazy. I was so valuable to that company. When I left, they dang near offered to double my salary because I was that good. But like you were saying, I... I remember I got that job when I was about 23 and I remember coming home and talking to my grandfather and being so discouraged. Like, and I'm, I'm a very optimistic person. I believe the glass is half full, but when you see that stuff day after, and it's the company was probably about, I would say no more than 150 people. Um, mm-hmm. So I was the only person doing payroll. I was the only person doing the bank deposits every day. So I'm seeing the bank account. I'm seeing these checks coming in. I was doing the check run every week. I'm seeing how much money is going out in expenses. Like I was exposed to so much. And like I said, I'm seeing the CEO in his corner office. I see how much he gets paid every two weeks. I'm seeing his allowances. I'm doing his expense reports. I see his Amex cards. Like, and even when I was with the Atlanta Hawks, I did their expense reports as well. So I've been I've been able to see stuff that a lot of us never, ever see. And I will talk to my grandfather about these things. And he was like, Joy, the fact that they even allow you to do that as a young black woman is kind of mind blowing to me. Like I would literally, like I said earlier, I would see these white guys, no college degree, a hundred grand, black woman, 40,000. I would see a girl who they brought in after me at the white girl, same education. They were paying her $20,000 more than they paid me. I saw this stuff every single day and it, it really, it really messed me up. And that's probably why I was never like the greatest employee because I was, my friends always make fun of me. Like I would get a job and I would be excited. And two weeks later, I'd be like, yeah, girl, I'm planning my escape. Like I never, <laughs> like I literally got my dream job three times and quit off. Like I just, it that first, and the fact that it was my first job, it really, really messed me up. Like seeing what they get paid versus what we get paid. Seeing them, so the white guys who didn't have an education, they would pay for them to go back to school. One of the black girls wanted to go get her MBA. Mm-hmm. They refused to pay for it. I'm looking at all the, the white employees they got, you know, cell phone expense, you know, they're paying for their meals, they're traveling us, none of that. Like it, it was, it was really, really sick. And it really, really messed me up for life seeing that stuff. And it's not like they tried to hide it from me. It was, it was all right there. There were maybe, there were maybe five or six of us in accounting and I was the youngest. So I was at the bottom. So I was doing it. Like I would do some monthly and close but I was doing all your front end stuff. I was doing your bank deposits, your payroll, your weekly check. Like I was doing all of that stuff. And then I worked directly with HR. So guess what? Every single person they hire, I see their offer letter. And the other thing that messed me up. So these guys who were like the C, the CFO got fired while I was there. Some other top guys got fired. Raphael, I saw their severance packages. I'm messed up for life. Like these men were getting, <laughs> these men were getting six figure severance packages. And when they walked them out uh-huh. the door, they, they were good. They're like, all right, I'll see y'all. And then they would get fired and they would come back as consultants. And I would do the check run and they would make three times what they were making. And they had like, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh... It made me sick. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the workplace, we got to talk to each other. Like, you'd be surprised at what your position really pays. So, and learn about negotiating. And you talk to each other, and then you find out, like, 
brother next to you is making more than you for the same position because he actually opened his mouth. Yes. Yes. And even though you might feel like, you know, they're not going to give us whatever, you'll be surprised at just opening your mouth what that will get you. you it's know? crazy. It's crazy. Somebody needs that's that I haven't seen a course and that somebody needs a course on negotiating your salary. Like seriously. We need that. And we don't I didn't know anything about that. I literally like I said I was talking to that headhunter and she was like, why did you accept that salary? I was like, I, I don't know. Like we never covered that in business school. <laughs> we didn't go over that. <laughs> they don't go over that in school at all. But it's like one day I was talking I'm at this job before I was working with this guy and young younger back guy we're talking and he said he just said something about like the cell phone expense I was like confused like what what are you talking about he said you know the money they give us for like cell phone I'm like well I don't get that car allowance uh, an allowance for everything like you're not coming out of pocket for anything I don't, I don't, I don't get that so I went to HR I'm like yo what's up <laughs> with the, the cell phone allowance and they were like oh okay and then they gave me the back pay for like exactly six for six months exactly. and then it was it was funny there's like the couple of like the white dudes that worked with me they were like came in around the same time as me and they didn't, weren't getting paid either but when i said something they got the back pay too you know so it was like all of us were kind of getting jerked <laughs> Until you know, I, I said something, so it's funny. Like you gotta talk to each other, man. Like I know nobody wants to talk about what they make. Is that's taboo in yeah. every, in pretty much every circle. But you know, and I get it. I, I don't want to talk about what I make with anybody either. But we, we gonna have to do it. We gonna have to do it and help each other out. Yeah, that's because that gives them their power too. Like what if we don't know what each other's making and we all work the same job or whatever? They can offer you twenty thousand less than a guy right next to you with less experience. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah, buddy. Now, you said, this one is interesting. You said different methods of income generation require different frames of mind. I cannot take credit for that. I just finished reading Cash Flow Quadrant. And that mm -hmm. book was a game changer. I know people have said, like, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is cool, but you got to read Cash Flow Quadrant. So I just read it and I felt so exposed. And, you know, he talked about the different, you know, quadrants. You got your employee, you got someone who's self-employed, you have your business owner and you have your investor. So those different methods have different frames of mind, right? If you're an employee, you're thinking, you know, security. If you are a business owner, you're thinking about financial freedom, other things. And right now I'm self-employed. And Robert Kiyosaki talked about how that is the hardest quadrant. Um, it is the riskiest quadrant. And he broke that down. And he was talking about how you really need to make that shift from being self-employed to being a business owner, but it takes a, a different mindset. And he, he broke down people who are self-employed and I am that person. If you're familiar with the DISC assessment, I'm a really, really high C. I'm a high diesel, but I'm a high C. There's a reason why I was an accountant, right? I am very mm -hmm. black or white. I'm a perfectionist. I love details. Like I, I think little picture. I don't think big picture. And I don't think anybody can do a job better than me. Like I'm a, I don't want anybody else's hand on my project. But right. in order to get to that next level, I have to shift my mindset. And as an S, I think that I'm the best person who can do it. Like if I don't touch it, if I don't finish it, it's not going to be right. My client isn't going to like it. With a B, they're like, I can hire somebody and they can do it better. So I am in the process of making that shift. 
Um, and that's where that tweet came from. And that book is a game changer. If you haven't read Cashflow Quadrant, please do yourself a favor and read that in 2021. Yeah, that I feel like, but yes, it is better than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. As far as like, I think people read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and kind of get like a mindset shift. But like Cashflow Quadrant is kind of like, I don't know how to say it, like more detail is like compared, when you come, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book compared to Cashflow Quadrant, the first book is, is kind of like fluff compared to the second one. I wouldn't, I'm not saying it's fluff, but it's compared to the second one, it, it, it's it's a little fluffy. Like it's more detailed, it's more actionable stuff in in cash flow quadrant. I think. I, it is I a think very it's. Book. I think it's kind of like what I was like the tweet you brought up earlier, where you can't just get you know what they're talking about. You have to study what they're studying. Everybody in this country is familiar with Rich Dad Poor Dad. Everyone has read the book. Everybody has listened to the audio book on YouTube. Like everybody knows that book. Not everybody's talking about cash flow quadrant. Like rich dad, poor dad is sort of right. is sort of surface level, right? But if you really want to make that shift, if you really want to dig deeper, you got to go to that next level. And that's what cash flow quadrant at least did for me personally. Yeah, it's a, it's a good book. It's a very good book. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. And you said you change your life in your spare time. Another one inspired by Cashflow Quadrant. Good thing you have these back to back. Um, and I was also listening to another podcast that was touching on this. It's so important what you do in your spare time. Like your spare time is everything. I'll never forget when I was writing my book, I literally got the idea. Of, now I had, I was coaching at a junior college and I was like, man, I really want to coach division one basketball. So I finally got this job coaching D1. Literally two weeks until the job, I get this idea for my book. And I'm like, there's no way I can write a book <laughs> and coach Division One basketball. Like it is around the clock. I'm at weights at five in the morning. We got individuals at seven. I'm in meetings all day. We got practice at three. We got film at five. After five o'clock, I'm hitting the road, driving two hours to go watch this high school recruit. I'm coming back. I'm on the phone with A. Like it is around the clock. It is 24 seven. And when I got the idea for the book, I could have put it off until the summer or I could, but I use my idle time. I knew that Sundays were our day off um, and a day off isn't really, really a day off, but I knew I would at least have like three or four hours to block off some time. And really, mm. really, I wanted to separate myself. Like I wanted to be an author. I wanted to get this book out into the world. I thought it would be helpful. So I used that idle time where I promise you, I would have much, I was a big walking dead fan. Like I would rather spend my Sundays watching the walking dead. Right. But I decided to put that, that work in and be, become an author. I decided to write my book. And even now, like if I want to grow my business, I need to be really, really intentional with how I spend my free time. Even if it's not like between the hours of nine to five and I can't go out and market and talk to people, I need to be reading something. I need to be looking at somebody's online course. Like how you spend your idle time is everything. In the book, uh, he, what was the quote that he said? It was something like the only difference between the wealthy and the poor is how they spend their free time. Like, mm. You, do you need downtime? Cool, sometimes, but you can't like, and some people are like, Joel, why are you so hard on yourself? Because I, I want this thing really, really bad, right? Like, 
you cannot spend your idle time just on Twitter, on Instagram, 24 seven, hop on Twitter, get some game and then go back to work. Right. Like you, how you spend your idle time is everything. Right. 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 It's like, um, say you, uh, make your living nine to five and five to nine, you make your empire. Exactly. Uh, I wash my hands a lot at my job. Oh, I got you. I just got home from work. I had a little to, ashy over there. Yeah, I had to go grab my <laughs> Coco Souffle body butter from Pure Body Company. I know that's right. From Pure Body Company. Shout out to my daughter, Angelica. Hand <laughs> mixes everything. Let's go. Yeah. Moving on. It's bothering me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you had a tweet. Well, you said you think you are growing your business, but your business is growing you. Man. So earlier we talked about how um, different methods of income require a different mindset. And for me to get a paycheck as an employee, like I just had to show up. Um, but and I can't remember where I heard it, but this was a couple of years ago. I heard somebody say that starting a business is the greatest personal development activity that you could ever take on. Uh, because you want to like, you want to see your revenue increase every month. Like you want your business to grow. But I remember my first month in business, the first month I took it serious, I literally made the exact same amount I was making at my job. And I was excited for about five minutes. I was telling my girls like, oh, I replaced my income from my job. I didn't start a business to make what I was making on my job, right? I wanted to make more money. So it really required me to grow as a person. Who is it? Is it Jim Rohn who says, you know, set the goal of becoming a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but because of who is going to make of you in the process, right? You literally, like I said, you think that you're growing your business, but if you really want to grow and expand and see your revenue increase and, you know, just keep growing year after year, you really, really have to. And I was talking to my best friend about this yesterday. She was like, Joy, you're literally a different person. Like the person who I was in January of last year versus January this year, two totally different people. And I thought I was going hard before. Like I had sets for life. I was having an impact. Like people were loving the content. But when you cut that paycheck off and you're on your own, like I remember, you know, when I was working a job, if I had an issue or something with my computer, my printer, you call IT. There is no IT, right? I'm IT. You have have to figure things out. And like I said, you, you think that, you know, you're in control and this and that, but it is, it is a, a huge mindset shift. And that's why, like I said, you think that you're growing your business, but your business is growing you and it's going to demand things of you that you didn't know were in you. But if you keep at it, it'll pull those things out of you. Yeah. 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 By the way, what are you running for on a mile these days? <laughs> They know I try to get it in. My goal is five miles a day. Right now I'm at like three miles a day. I should be there by late February, early March. And right now my mile time is like eight, 10 ish, somewhere in there. I ran one under eight minutes a couple weeks ago and I was really feeling myself. So yeah, no, no, no point in trying to build this wealth if I don't have the health to enjoy it. So no 12 minute miles. No, no 12. sir. No, sir. Trying to get under eight minutes. Let me run a 730 mile. I might not ever get on Twitter again. I'm going to be like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> no 12 minute miles. I got to get under 12 minutes right now. You got yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to run in a mile in like a month or two. So I got to get back out there. But anyway, we're going to start wrapping this up. 
Shout out to the sponsors, Okieffa Shades, Get Lace Laces, Pure Body Company, and of course, Todd Capital. You can find my guest, Joy Walker, at joywalker.com. That's Joy with an I. You know, find her on Twitter and on Instagram at Sets for Life. 314. Find myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. Find my partner, co host Charles, aka Todd Millionaire, on Twitter at Real Todd Billion. You can find him on Instagram at Todd Business and also at Todd.Capital. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. You can find our ebook, uh, Don't Be a Little Bee, Start a Little Business at uh, gumroad.com slash Tweet Talk. You know, I'd like to leave you guys with one last tweet from joy dedicate an entire year to one thing one area of focus eat sleep and breathe one thing so just like to wish y'all all the best in 2021 peace yeah yeah yes this is donald the voice the official podcast editor and producer of the tweet talk podcast featuring of course charles oglesby and the man Raphael husbands and look man if you just listen to this episode then you know exactly what i'm capable of you know my swag you know what i can do and so without any further ado i kind of want to give you a special offer for tweet talk podcast episode listeners and here's what it is head on over to donaldthevoice.com and if you have podcasts or video editing needs let's talk and of course i'm give you a real real nice deal but you have to mention that you're a tweet talk podcast listener and so this is the week of april the 13th 2020 and this offer isn't gonna last forever so if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content come and holla at your boy and i promise to take care of you our dedicated listener to the tweet talk podcast again head over to donaldthevoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation okay back to your day your evening your morning whatever's going on peace